so many of y'all. My name is Chris Raymer. I'm very grateful, recovered alcoholic, and I'm delighted to be here. Guys, I mean, really looking around this room, I, uh, there's some folks I ain't seen in a, in a, in a day or two. And um, I don't know, we were talking earlier, I think I'm the only one that's getting older. The rest of you <laughs> seem to be doing pretty well. So it's a, it's a delight to see you. I'm watching that clock is pretty close, folks. So I don't want to go over. Um, uh, I hate people that do that, but I'm I'm just yeah. I probably need to meditate about that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to behave myself. And uh, it's a uh, what a great topic. I really let me just give you a little a little quick snippet where I come from. Uh, as always, anytime I share from the podium anymore or Zoom any any place, I, I want to mention that I'm I'm gonna share you know my thoughts on a topic or you know this is my story maybe different than your story. I just think it's important that I say that, folks, because I I get pretty excited about recovery, folks, and sometimes people think, well, I'm you know. I'm, I'm preaching or I'm trying to jam this down somebody's throat and I'm not, you know, I just always say it. If, if what you're doing is working for you and you're staying sober and you're happy, good heavens, buddy, don't, don't change anything. I just, I, uh, my experience was a little different, but I got to tell you over the years, I, my sober dates, November 13th, 1987. And um, in the 35 years that I've been around, I, I guess I started speaking out there, when I was, I don't know, 30 years ago, I guess I was about five years sober. And, and I just, um, um, guys, I've gotten a th thousands of emails. I used to save them. I just don't anymore. But I used to save them from people all over the world, guys, uh, especially when we got into this Zoom stuff a few years ago. You know, people calling. There was a lot of people out there, folks, that had the same experience I had. And so, you know, I don't, I'm not grinding on anybody. I just, you know, I'm a big book guy, folks. I, I I spent a whole bunch of years. Um, I was in the food business, and and uh, I grew up here in the hill country. My twin brother and I, you know, started drinking. I got I was about seventeen when I took my first bottle of Boone's Farm apple wine. And um, all you old hippies, you can just quit smiling. I know it was good stuff. Anyway, I uh, we got to Houston. I got an apprenticeship program. I was pretty talented, you know, what I was doing. I'm. I'm uh, I don't know. Most of the alcoholics I know are pretty talented, uh, my experience. And uh, I started um, being pretty successful at what I was doing and getting promotions early on. And I'm drinking and I'm holding it together pretty well. Uh, this illness hadn't progressed that far for me. And early on, I was, I mean, some people grind their teeth about a, a, the term functioning alcoholic. I was a functioning alcoholic, just like a whole bunch of y'all. There was long periods of time, guys, where I drank and uh, wasn't getting in a lot of trouble, wasn't, wasn't, causing a lot of problems, but I got to tell you one of the things that started happening with me early on, guys, this is in the 70s, uh, I started experiencing uh, this thing called depression, and uh, I'm not talking about a little blue day, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, man, I hate my life, and uh, I'm making, you know, some money, I'm, you know, blah, 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 I'm, I, everything on the outside looks like I'm, I'm okay, and the inside, I'm, I'm not a happy camper. In the late 70s, I start seeing a doctor for that depression. And um, of course, I get on antidepressants and I'm and I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to talk about that. But, you know, I'm on all kinds of medications to try to fix what's wrong with me. But what turned out to be, folks, is what was wrong with me was this thing called uh, untreated alcoholism. 
That's exactly what it looks like, folks. And I mean, I watch a lot of people. I've worked in the treatment business for a million years, folks. I do clerical work for a big old hospital. And God dang, guys, I mean, I see it all the time. Everybody thinks it's so complicated. You know, well, I'm, I'm clinically depressed. You know, if we look at it, you might find out you're not. You might find out that you're suffering from untreated alcoholism. Guys, when I quit drinking, I get worse, not better. That's the, I mean, I, it's tough to get alcoholics to understand this, but I got to tell you, it's really tough to try to get families to understand this. They think the alcohol is the problem. It's not. Alcohol is the solution. It treats the alcoholism. And, you know, I can quit on a dime. I've done it a thousand times, but I, I can't stay quit is the problem. And uh, I can uh, I can stop drinking and my MO is about two weeks, guys. I, I detox, I start feeling better. Everything out there starts to, you know, the car gets washed and the checkbook gets balanced and everything's looking pretty good. And, and then this internal stuff starts to come back. Those bedevilments on page 52, folks, a lot of you guys have been around. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, that that feeling of uselessness, that that irritability stuff. That I mean, guys, that's this is the stuff that's belittling my life. I'm, I am miserable. The depression comes back, this low self-esteem. And I just like, okay. And my head says, I know what'll fix it. And I'm not choosing it, but there's an unconscious thought there. I, I know what'll fix it. All I got to do is go get a, a beer, put it in my system, and immediately I feel better. That's why I, anybody in these rooms that are trying to get sober, folks, I got to tell you, you got my un, my absolute admiration. This is the hardest thing any of us have ever tried to do. And most people don't, well, God dang it, just quit. Don't you know you're hurting people? Yeah, I, I, I do. But I also know that I'm <laughs> I, I'm suicidal when I'm not drinking. So it's a there's a trade-off. I'm sitting in meetings. I went to my first AA meeting in the early uh, 80s, guys. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I got married on one of my geographics back to Houston and, and I met this little girl and uh, she was a sweetheart. And, uh, we moved up to North Texas to be closer to Myers and uh, my twin brother. And, and uh, I got a job. We bought a little house. I mean, I, I, guys, I'm in my 20s. Everything's good. You know, on the outside, it looks good. And uh, uh, it's not good, though. I'm drinking too much. And this is the early 80s. And the only time I'm going to mention it, there's everybody in his dog was doing cocaine in the early 80s. People that didn't do drugs were doing drugs in the early 80s. I'm just saying. It, crazy. And uh, I was doing some, and uh, I came home one night and had a pushing match with this woman. And, and uh, I don't remember what it was about, but I remember that, that she asked me to leave and I did and, uh, came back a few hours later after I'd sobered up a little bit. And she, uh, uh, we had the conversation and I told her about the drug and I told her that how much I, she knew I was drinking. She didn't know how much I was drinking. And, uh, and we had that look where we looked in each other's eyes and I got tears in mine and I'm promising her that I'm never going to touch another drop. And I meant it with every fiber in my body. I can't share this, my, my story or any of this without saying that folks, because y'all need to hear it. I've watched thousands and thousands of alcoholics. I sponsor a sea of men who uh, made a decision to stop and were unable to manage the decision to stay stopped. If you can stop because you just want to, God, go ahead. Bill Wilson calls you a hard drinker. The, the real alcoholic's going to, you're going to struggle doing this. And that was me. And who knew? But I went to my first AA meeting the next day to save this marriage. And uh, they were the nicest people on earth and uh, thousand and one liners. And there was no big books in the place. And uh, we read how it worked. 
off of a plaque and I didn't, yeah. And that's it. A week and a half later, I drank and she packed and left. And uh, I didn't get drunk, guys, but I drank. And that was my deal that I wasn't going to touch another drop. And uh, just, I continued to go to AA because I knew it, it It worked for some folks, guys. I've watched people there get sober, and uh, but I'm not having a very good experience. I spent seven years in Alcoholics Anonymous going in and out, in and out, picking up desire chips and uh, not, uh, not hearing the solution. I still get emails from all over, guys. Occasionally, I'll get a really nasty email. You could have gotten sober back then if you'd really wanted to. You know, I'm saying, guys, if somebody had come up to me and showed me how, I probably could. The meetings I'm going to, we're not studying the literature. I, I don't own a big book. I don't have a sponsor. I'm just, the only focus that anybody wants to do is make sure that I'm coming back. He coming back. You know, Bill Wilson, when he wrote that letter in, in uh, 1942, he says, our chief responsibility to the newcomer is an adequate presentation of the program. It's an as Bill sees it. You can see that little copy of that little that little excerpt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An adequate presentation of the pro presentation of the program is not key coming back. Those people love me. I'm not taking a shot at them, guys. I'm not. I'm just saying, if you can come to a million meetings and never stay sober, I watch people that do it all the time. What's going to get us sober is this thing called a spiritual experience, and that happens as a guarantee as a result of working the steps. This is kind of like unapologetically about God, folks. I tried to commit suicide one night, and, uh, and uh, I made a promise that I'd go back to AA the next day, and I, I made myself sick. I believe God intervened on me, and the next day, I, it was, uh, I found a meeting. Uh, a guy had, I used to work with showed me where the meeting was, and it was, he said it was a big book meeting. I had no idea what that was. Um, I, again, I didn't have a big book. But, uh, I went to this meeting and uh, it was, uh, I was going to go back to the old meetings where I'd been, but I, it was too late to go. And so I, I stopped at this meeting and I snuck in the back door and hoping nobody had seen me and uh, everybody saw me. And uh, that's, that's the way that was. And a uh, little girl stopped me from leaving and, and uh, got me a cup of coffee and, and, uh, Sarah person, I, I just got to say it real quick. They went around the room and they shared some hope with me. And they talked about getting their credit cards back and buying a car and getting married and doing all the cool things that we do in sobriety. And, and uh, guys, I'm going to tell you, at the end of the meeting, they asked me if I wanted to stay sober a day at a time. And I picked up what was going to be my last chip. It's in that closet right behind, behind me. And I picked up a little sober chip and and they said, let's, we're going to start working the steps with you, buddy. We're going we're to help you get this. And they picked me a sponsor. And uh, they sat me down after that meeting and they showed me what the first step looked like. Nobody had ever done that, folks. Uh, they showed me the symptoms of physical craving and the mental obsession. And they asked me the two questions on the top of page 44. When you want to drink, yeah, can you stop? And, you know, and can you control how much you're, no. And I, I, got, I went home that night clear for the first time what was wrong with me, guys, that I was a real alcoholic. I've been calling myself alcoholics forever, guys. I didn't even more believe it than a man in the moon. I'm convinced that that girl had just treated me a little bit nicer. I could stay so. It's always somebody else's fault. Folks. That career, that boss, that this, that's it's that damn Democrats. It's that, stop. Two weeks in, guys, these guys have got me did service work. And uh, this old guy stopped after a meeting one day and he, he sat me down and uh, he said, Chris, let me, let me talk to you a little bit about this steps uh, 10 and 11. 
And uh, he started talking to me about this prayer and meditation stuff. And, and I remember throwing it back in his face. Well, you know, the steps are in, in, a, in, a, in, a, you know, in sequence for a reason, you know. And he looked at me, kind of rolled his eyes. And he said, yeah, I understand, Chris. You're going to have more luck with this downstream. But I need to start talking to you about this because you need to start playing this game. You need to start spending some time. You're so far up in your head. You're going to have to start sorting this stuff out. And I got to tell you guys, I owe that guy, I mean, so, the biggest old thank yous. He's long passed away now, guys. But he, he was, uh, he just... They helped me. They knew that this was a race with me. And so many people in Alcoholics Anonymous, we lose because we go too slow. If I could click my finger right now and make one change in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm lobbying for the job of king of AA. Listen, when we start voting, I want you all to make sure that Chris Raymer vote for it. If I could change one thing, it would be this. We would change this absolute nonsense out there about taking your time to work the steps. The steps get me connected to God. I don't care if you're a church goer or not. You couldn't be connected enough or you wouldn't be drinking. It's just there's a spiritual connection as a result of doing this. And these guys said, come on, let's go. Let's get this stuff done. Two weeks in, I've got a completed four step. I'm ready to do a fifth step, guys. And I'm, ha I'm, I'm having a spiritual experience. And that obsession lifted and hadn't returned since. And I've been through some really good days and some crazy days in my 35 years, folks. And not once have I thought about taking a drink. I'm so blessed. It's good for a whole bunch of people sitting on this room right here. Thank you for sticking with me all these years. I need you now as much as I needed you all those years ago. Just knowing you're there. You know, half half, half the, the room here is texting me. You know, it's like, buddy, bless your heart. Because I'm as lonely and shy as you could possibly be. Even in sobriety, I can isolate. Let me just say, the 11th step stuff, guys, is in three pages of 85 to 88. My old friend, Charlie P., that we lost uh, a couple of weeks ago. A lot of y'all knew him. He lived in Austin and uh, such a wonderful guy. I mean, he shared podiums all over the world. I was fortunate enough to get to share with him and Katie in lots of different spots, but one of his, one of his, I've heard him say it a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. The 11th step is not extra credit. And, and we would laugh every time he would say it. If, if I can, can I, if I could see one thing in Alcoholics Anonymous of the steps that we, we negate, that we just kind of shut to the side, it's the 11th step. It's like it's always presented like it's an option. And it's not, guys. It's absolutely not. It's uh, uh, so important. I had a sponsor of Mark Houston used to talk about it and, uh, uh, a lot because he meditated a lot. And when I met him five years sober and got him as a sponsor, uh, bless his heart, you know, one of the first things we did was start, start this meditation stuff. Because he would ask, Chris, do you meditate? Oh, sure. You know, I didn't. I'd get, you know, occasionally driving out in traffic. God, you know, don't let me get run over out here. You know, but that's not, that's not what the book is talking about. And, and he, st he started explaining it to me. I, um, he used to say, <laughs> What movement does for the body, stillness does for the mind. I used that was probably not original from him, but I wrote it down when he said it because it's the truth. It's just the absolute truth. My little mind is like a thousand million miles an hour all day long, and, that, and yeah, to get quiet. 
If you look in the deal, I'm sure other people that have been on here before me have mentioned this, but I just, I feel it's important that we mention it and talk about it for just a second. Meditation doesn't mean what you hear in so many meetings. You know, it does this clear your mind stuff. I've done, listen, I love guided meditations. There's some folks on this, um, on this uh, Zoom right now that I know and that do guided meditations that are really good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that at all, guys. Somebody that knows what they're doing, guys, they can lead you to a place that maybe you've never been to before. I'm, I'm all for that. That's not what the book is talking about. This idea of clearing, emptying your mind and going to a still place. Yes, if you read the dictionary, 1938 dictionary, if you look up meditation, it means thoughtful contemplation. Thoughtful contemplation. It means it wants you to think. If we read it out straightly out of the big book, yeah, it enforces this thought. As meditation for the directions in the big book is not the absence of thought or clearing the mind. Rather, it's the exact opposite. It's using the brain that God gave us. Book talks about these little, little phrases. I'm not going to take time to read it, guys, but the little phrases in there that talk specifically. Constructively review our days. Yeah. We consider our plans for the day on our morning meditations, evening meditations, in thinking about our day. It, it, it didn't say empty your mind and go to Mars. It, we're supposed to be thinking about this. Guys, when I got sober, my life was so disorganized and so, so fractured. I'd been, it would have been, I'd been in survival mode for years. I, I didn't, wasn't worried about my future. All I wanted to do was not get arrested, not die, not get shot, what, whatever. I mean, I, and now all of a sudden I'm sober and I got my feet on the ground. And that's why these guys said, Chris, it's time to start getting quiet. I come from a sponsorship lineage. You can look up my lineage. And, and there's a, there was an old man named Paul uh, Martin. I mentioned he's been passed away a long time. A lot of y'all know him. And um, a lot of y'all had the opportunity to meet him. And, and uh, he's just, if y'all get a chance, he's, he spoke a lot in the 70s and 80s and wrote a bunch of articles. If you email me, I'll put my email in there, guys. I'll, I can send you his articles that he wrote for the grapevine. Somebody sent them to me ages ago. And uh, they're just, they're primo. This guy was a big book thumper. They printed a lot of his articles. Again, there was like 18 or 19 of them. They printed them until uh, uh, the 90s and they stopped printing them. He's only had a couple printed in the 90s because the editorial staff at the, at the grapevine changed and they didn't want any more big book stuff. They wanted little unicorns and butterfly stuff. And, and, uh, and he wasn't going to write that. He, would, he was interested in, you know, how can we grow spiritually? How can we get closer to God? He spent 45 minutes a day meditating. Guys, I mean, he was... Yeah, I can't, I just, maybe when I retire, I can, I can get a shot at it. But, but even still, just to shut up and get quiet, you know, uh, I had many conversations with him about that. It's um, first thing that all of those folks that were taught, teaching me to do is find a place to do it. Find a place that you can get quiet. Turn your stupid phone off. There's some great apps out there, too. You can get on the phone. There's great apps that you can get on. You can meditate with hundreds of thousands of other people at the same time if you want to do that. It's a pretty cool little deal. But I get quiet. And if you're afraid you're going to doze off, you set a little timer. Back in the back in the Stone Age age, when I was back, yeah, I used a little egg timer. It was as noisy as it click, click. Y'all know the old egg timer? They set on the stove. And now they've got this just absolutely silent timer on your phone and the clock. And you can just... You know, but set your set your clock for for five minutes, ten minutes. 
you don't have to worry about, you know, falling asleep or whatever. You'll get good at it, folks. You'll get good where you can just get quiet. Yeah. Get you a little place. I wish I could show you a picture. I've got all my all of my little uh, my little creatures here. There's a little armadillo. Somebody got me ages ago. I don't know. I've got all of my little stuff. Little little. There's a little crosses that a Catholic priest had given me one time. All little things that I hold near and dear. And Patty stays up late. My wife, she's in the program. She stays up real late at night. Does what? Girls do. I don't know. And uh, and I go to bed and then I get up real early in the morning. And so I'm in here all by myself, folks, and I can get quiet. I'm not looking at the computer. I'm not doing anything. I'm just getting quiet. And I start breathing. Old guys that used to meditate said, touch your forehead. Old transcendental meditation guys, and touch your forehead. And there's a great article out, out there. Uh, I sponsor a guy that uh, whose uh, father had taught Bill Wilson the transcendental meditation. And that's pretty fascinating. This Bill Wilson was a seeker. I'm going to tell you, he was, until the day he died, he was looking for answers to everything. I mean, he was just, golly, I would have loved to have met him. But these guys were talking about, you just touch your forehead and kind of focus on that where you touched. And, you know, you'll just, you'll get quiet. Contemplate, breathe. I never get down, folks. I never start meditating without one of these in front of me. This is called a, a rule, little legal tablet. I've always got something to write on, guys, because what happens with me and I start going, these little thoughts start coming through my head, and I want to start arguing with these thoughts. That's not the time to do it. If I get quiet, folks, these little thoughts start crossing my mind. I need to just jot it down real quick, and then I get quiet again and start thinking, what am I going to do today? I usually think of the things I'm going to lecture at, at work or whatever, and, and just you know, what do I want to do? Maybe at the, at the our little recovery club or, or guys I'm sponsoring. It's just, I just get quiet. It's just me and God in the room. Ends with a prayer with me always. God, what do you want me to do today? Some days I got a little more time and I can spend a little extra time. Folks, I want to tell you, Wally P wrote, uh, what was it? How to Listen to God. This little book about listening, you can get it online or Wally P's websites, uh, Back to Basics. I'm going to tell you guys, it's one of the better books uh, taken from the Oxford movement about how to how to meditate, how to listen for God's guidance. There were so many people that uh, back in the day that used to do these, these guided meditations. And uh, uh, just if you get a chance to get a copy of it, you, you might you might try to do it. I uh, want to give you an example real quick. Um, I was, this happened years ago, uh, getting quiet and doing some meditation. And, and uh, in the stillness, I thought about this little, little guy that I'd met. He was a host. Of, he hosted me at a talk I did out uh, over towards California. And uh, he was a sweetheart little guy. I mean, it just, I get attached to the little guys when I get to get out there and speak. And, and some of you, that's how I met you was, was hosted me at, at speaking stuff over the years. And, and uh, it, all of a sudden, I hadn't heard from him. We stayed in touch after I left, but uh, for a long time. And this had been years since I talked to this kid. And um, uh, and I called him. I had his number, and and I I got to work and got the distractions out of the way. And I called him, and I just just to check on him. And he heard it was me on the phone, and he says, "Is this this is Chris Raymer?" And I said, "Yes, sir." And I said, "What are you doing, boy?" And he got real quiet, and he said, "He sounded upset." He said, "Can I call you back?" And I said, absolutely. I hung up the phone, knowing full well that he was not going to call me back. I 
you know, interrupted him during the day, whatever. That's okay. Well, and about 40 minutes later, he called me back. He said, why did you call me this morning? I haven't talked to him in years. I said, why did you call me this morning? And I, I said, buddy, I was in meditation and you just crossed my mind. I just thought about you. And he started crying. He said, Chris, I'm not in AA anymore. I said, last week I, uh, I, I've left AA. I had a fight with a guy in a meeting and uh, uh, I think he disrespected me and I don't have to take that. You know, and he started going on and on. And I said, oh, okay, okay. I said, first of all, you don't know anybody, any uh, uh, answers. I mean, you know, any excuses. Uh, our concepts allow us. It talks about bills was crystal clear. You want to leave the fellowship? Go. You can just you can just walk away. Nobody's going to jam you, folks. This is absolutely not a cult. We're not going to come get you. He says, okay. He said, okay. I said, listen, let me ask you a question. In all of that shit storm that happened, did you, uh, uh, do you think you owe this guy an amends? And he went off. I dang it, I knew you'd do that. And I, he said, he said, yeah, I probably do. I said, well, why don't you take care of it? Then you can just walk away from this and, uh, you know, with a clean conscience. And, uh, and I hope you stay in touch with me, buddy, because I love you. He says, okay, all right. We had a little talk. We talked about politics, whatever else. We're just for a visit. And, and, and we hung up. The next day, he called me back. And I picked it up and I said, man, what's going on? And he said, well, I had a talk with that guy. And I said, yeah. Did you clean off your side of the street? And he said, I did. And I got it right, and I told him all the nasty things I'd said. And, and uh, you know what he did? He turned right around and apologized for saying all those nasty things about me. We had us a fine little conversation. You know what else? And I said, what? He says, I got me a new sponsor. <laughs> I like to drop the phone. You know, it's like, really? Uh-huh. Now there's half of you on here going, well, that's just a coincidence, Chris. That's just, guys, I don't think it is. I could sit right here right now and start giving you examples just like I had, just like I, I gave you there. And we'd be here all night. There was this lady uh, that uh, during COVID, at the beginning of COVID, we had... Uh, we, saw, we started seeing so many people with long-term sobriety uh, relapsing. Uh, a lot of people were just like me. I ain't going on them stupid Zooms. You know, I'm just digging in. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Yeah. But the people that stuck with that, I'm not going to get on Zooms and, I'm, and I can't go to meetings because they close things down. And then alone by themselves, guys, Bill Wilson wrote a lot about it. This isolation stuff breeds one thing. It's called self-pity. And self-pity drops us right straight in the, in the grease. And I never saw so many people, guys, in treatment, working in the industry for so many years, so many people with double-digit sobriety coming in, to, in, in back into AA, back into from relapses, coming back in, and uh, it was just tragic to watch. And a lot of a lot of good sobriety. And there was this lady I'd know her, I'd known her in uh, in Houston, and she had about twenty-six years of sobriety. And uh, when she, I knew she was coming into treatment, and um, and I, I kept looking for it. It's a big campus. I, it just I, I couldn't find her, and. Uh, in meditation one morning, I don't think I'm making this crap up. And I'm thinking of meditation and I'm thinking about this room 
that somebody said that there was a, a bookshelf and I was moving offices and I needed a bookshelf. And so I had a clear blue and I'm going through my day, but I'm going to do, I'm going to go look in that room and see if that bookshelf's there. And I got to work and put my stuff up like that. And I went over, there's no reason in the world that I need to go to this room. And I go up in there and I got a key, you know, and it's, I'll go in there and it's already unlocked. And I walk in and there's that lady. 90 patients on campus. And this lady's in this room by herself where I've never been maybe once in all the years I worked there. And I got a chance to talk to her. I didn't want to talk to her in a group, guys. Let me tell you what I wanted to talk to her about because everybody out there wanted her to come back as a newcomer. This is a soapbox. Just get ready for it, okay? You know, you relapse, you're going to have to come back as a newcomer. She's not a newcomer. She had 26 years of experience to share with the newcomers. We're killing people out there, folks, by, not, by doing that nonsense. Nowhere in the book does it say do that. She, she messed up. She, okay, she didn't lose anything. She lost a sober date. She got a new, she established. That's fine. If she's sponsoring people and they don't want to mess with her anymore, they can go find another sponsor. But guys, we got to stop sponsor. We got to stop punishing the folks that relapse. Shame on us. Just saying. And I'm talking to this lady about that. Of course, she's crying. Because that's what she's already been told. Now she's going to come back and she can't share. Guys, the one thing that's going to allow us to stay sober, the one thing is working with other alcoholics. Bill Wilson says, bottom of page 129, in those first days of convalescence, nothing will so much help us stay sober as intensive work with another alcoholic. This lady needs to go work with other alcoholics, but we've got a therapist telling her that she can't work with the new alcoholics until she's a year sober. I just wish people would just... Let's just follow the instructions, shall we? You know, we, we do a lot better off. Bless this little lady. She's back. She's kicking butt, taking names. She's kicking, you know, y'all, she's set the world on fire. Went out there and started sponsoring a bunch of people again. Never looked back and, and did all that. Yeah. You think it was a coincidence that I found her in a quiet spot. It's all prayer and meditation, folks. Every bit of this is about prayer and meditation. I, I, real quick. This is... I don't know how to explain it. The, the question isn't whether God's going to communicate with us, folks. The, the, the question is, are we going to listen? I mean, and I know we've got some folks on here, just maybe some, maybe some staunch atheists. But I'm telling you, it doesn't make a dang bit of difference. Last time I looked, God talks to all of us. And the question is, if you get clear of the alcohol, and your head starts to clear up, you're going to start getting guidance. And if you don't listen to a bunch of crazy, you know, it came time for me to, in meditation, I want to start a little business so bad it wasn't even funny. There wasn't anybody in my group that was telling me I couldn't do that. You go into most groups and there's some grumpy old bastard sitting in the corner. You can't make any decisions for the first year. <laughs> but let me tell you something. You better make some big decisions in your first year. You'll end up in trouble. Just nowhere in the book. It says, be careful. Pay attention to what you're doing. You could end up in trouble. I did Talked to some guys about it, prayed, meditated about it. Guys, but you're going to get guidance. I didn't ever make any money in that business, but I loved it like you wouldn't believe. It awakened my spirit in so many areas. My creative juices started flowing again. I started to wake up to a, new, a different life than I ever thought possible. 
thanks to God's guidance. Do you think for a second that God wants you sitting alone by yourself in some apartment or house someplace, just being miserable, feeling sorry for yourself? You'd miss the boat. That is not what God wants any of us to do. Big Book talked about being happy, joyous, and free. I could talk an hour about self-pity. Don't get me started. Because it's what, it's what took me to a suicide attempt in 1987. It wasn't the alcohol. It was my head telling me I'm worthless and I'll never amount to anything. I got to tell you real quick. There was an old Jesuit priest one time. I talk about it every once in a while, but he was a wonderful guy. He's long passed away. It was a men's uh, workshop up in uh, North Texas. And uh, there was about, I don't know, about 175 of us in this, in this church. And um, he asked one night, he said, do you think the dark side wants you dead? And all 175 hands went up. Yes. He said, the dark side doesn't want you dead. The dark side wants you ineffectual. Sitting on your butt by yourself, not helping anybody. It's not okay, guys. That's how we lose more people. We lose more alcoholics in that spot. That's why Bill Wilson on page 62 says, selfish and self-centeredness, that we think is the root of the problem. Driven by 100 forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of the fellows and they retire. That's, that's what the book is saying. Self-pity is the root of the problem. That's what we're... So if we get quiet, guys, the thoughts are going to start coming in. That's why I write this stuff down. Maybe it's just fanciful. That's okay. But I get it down and I start looking at it and I start pursuing it. I'll start talking to some people about it. I talk to people all the time. Oh, I can't go to school. I'm too old. I can't go to this. I can't start a business. I don't have enough money. Why don't you just be quiet? How you're going to accomplish something is another conversation altogether. The problem is that most of us never figure out what God wants us to do. Because we're still stuck in that little deal. Half of us in this room right here are still doing stuff what we think our families want us to do or what the, or the job wants us to do. What, what speaks to your spirit, folks? If you'll start listening, I guarantee you, you'll get guidance. And it's going to take some courage. Some of you are going to have to make some changes. I, damn, I did. I ended up getting a divorce in recovery. It just Every time I turned around, I was walking into the same cul-de-sac. It was not right for me. It's okay. You got to be true to yourself, folks. I'll say this real quick and let y'all go. We can visit and ask some questions if you want. One of the things when I'm meditating, guys, the book, there's a little line that talks about we avoid morbid reflection. And what I'm going to try to do when I get quiet in meditation is focus on the good stuff. It's An old therapist one time said, he says, you can't, you can't learn about the light by constantly analyzing the dark. I don't know if we've got any cyclists in here. You know, I'm, I'm a big, big cyclist, bicycle. And it'd be the same for the motorcycle. Some of you guys look like motorcycle guys too. So high five, you know, I'd die if I got on one, but I just, you know, it, but it's the same kind of stuff. If you start riding a motorcycle or you get on a bicycle, when you first start doing this, guys, everybody tells you, all the old guys will get around and say, buddy, listen, when you're riding this bike, Pay attention. Look where you want to go. If you're coming down a big old hill and you're going a little bit too fast, if you, you don't look at the guardrail because your bike will turn straight towards the guardrail. 
you look at where you're where you're going. Look at look at the clear path of the road, and that's where your bike will turn. It's fact. Try it sometime when you're driving. You can't look to the left without steering to the left. It's the same stuff. The problem with me for so many years, guys, until I got busy with meditation, I didn't know where God wanted me to go. I, I didn't know where to look. And all of a sudden, I start praying and meditating. And I'm getting quiet. And all of a sudden, God starts to guide me. Ended up going to work on the coast for a while and got to meet some people over in Florida. Some of them are on this, on this. It's just, guys, what a cool journey this has been. God has shown me the way. God will open the doors and God will shut the doors. <laughs> this, you know, I guarantee you're going to go that direction. But you got to keep your little open mind. Mark used to talk about being awake but asleep. And so many people in Alcoholics Anonymous, that's what they are. I'm sober. Mm -hmm. And you're miserable. There's something wrong. Let's get quiet with God and then we figure out what we need to do. And uh, I got to tell you, it's uh, a delight to get a chance to visit with you all. And uh, I am absolutely, during while we're answering questions and visiting a little bit, guys, I'll put my email in there in the little chat. And you guys can holler at me and uh, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll help you any way I can. I'll, I'll send you some stuff. Thank y'all so much. Jason, come on up, please, brother. Thank you, Ali. Hello, friends. I'm a grateful, recovered alcoholic just for today. Um, Chris, thanks a lot for coming today. Mm -hmm. um, thanks for uh, always carrying the message of the undiluted truth of the big book, The Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, Ali just spoke about the ripple effect. You know, I personally know so many people that you've touched uh, in the last 35 years, you know, indirectly, directly. Um, you, you just say uh, you're, you're a messenger of God. You know, you, you, you exemplify living in 10, 11, 12. And for that, I thank you. I'm extremely grateful um, for everything you've done and, and how you've affected my recovery as well. So thank you for coming out today. Thank you, Jason. Uh, next person is Sadiga, if I'm pronouncing it right. So one second. Here we go. Yes. Hi, I'm Sadiqa. I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. Chris, that was so amazing. Um, you touched me so deeply. And my question is, I, I was meditating before I came into the program and I practiced transcendental meditation, but I thought I was supposed to just sort of hear the thought and then sort of like say thank you and let it go and really focus on the silence of it. So when you just introduce the notebook and writing things down, that totally confused me because I thought the, the mission was to get quiet, but then you're taking notes. So if you could just elaborate a little bit more so that I can get some clarity on that, I would appreciate it. And thanks again. Yeah, so sometimes when I'm meditating, nothing, I'm not getting any guidance anywhere. The thoughts will come and go I, again. I want to get to a place where I can go to a deeper consciousness, you know, where I can, get, where I can shut out all the, the stupid clutter in my life. I, I, I want to do that. But uh, the purpose, the old, old, old timers, like Paul used to talk about the, 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 the guide, the whole point of this was not to, to just disappear, but to get to a place where I can actually hear something that's going to come. 
God's not going to talk over the TV, you know, and it's like, if I can get quiet, um, there's still some days that I, I, like I said, I've done some guided meditations with some folks that were just absolutely fantastic. And I'm a huge fan of, of transcendental meditation. I wish I'd gone farther into that. It's, it's another wonderful way to relax. It's a way to stay, I mean, healthy. It's a wonderful thing. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, listen when that's going on, because God's screaming direction at us. If we can hear it, uh, we can change our lives. Hope that answered that. Thank you so much for your question. Bobette, come on up, please. Hi, thanks so much. Um, hi, Bobette, alcoholic. Hi, Chris, great to see you. Ali, thank you, great great meeting. Um, Chris, can you share with us uh, what you've shared before um, when you meet a newcomer um, in a meeting or um, someone who's just coming back? You have sort of a quick uh, tips and tricks, uh, some pages out of the big book that you guide them to immediately. I mean, you get down, sit right down and you start working with them. Can you give us a, a quick overview of where where you take them? I know you walk them through hand in hand. And the reason I'm asking this is we had a young gal come in to the meeting this evening and I immediately thought of that, that uh, quick and dirty that you have to just you know bring, bring them along immediately, thanks. The, the, the main speed, and I'm, I'm all for uh, uh, getting the steps done as quick as possible. If you look at the history sites out there and I can send them to, I mean, everybody worked the steps in, in like short time, few days, you know, a week. Uh, this nonsense of taking a step up is just ridiculous. I've got a lifetime, folks, to get in step studies and go to slowly. Our AA group, we read three or four pages on a Wednesday night and then discuss that and then go to the next one. I mean, we can get through the book twice in a year, you know, and I just think that's the coolest, but this little guy that's just coming in, it's like a, he's like a ticking time bomb. He's going to be there right up until the point, the obsession to use comes back and then he's going to disappear. You know, they used to say, well, I knew that little one-eyed guy wasn't ready. I was ready, but unless something changes, I, the obsession is going to continue to come back. I can send you that little quick, uh, Quick first step guide that I use. And if, if you don't have it, some of y'all on this know I have it because I've sent it to you. But I'd be more than glad to send it to you. Basically, I've cherry picked. I'm not one of those that start on the title page and start reading. I, I, I know people that do that. That's just great, but it just takes too long. Unless you're going to sit down for two days straight and do it, it's, it's too long. And I just, but we can ask the little question just like those old timers did me that night, specifically about uh, uh, the phenomenal craving and the mental obsession. And as cherry picking those, in those 60 pages is first step, guys. Bill Wilson talks about the steps in the first 100, 102 pages. But I mean, it's the 60 of those are the first step. He wants us to, I mean, pretty important to decide if you really actually need to be here. So, uh, yeah, without taking a bunch of time, I, if y'all email me, I'll just send it to you without a lot of conversation. And if you got any questions, you can you can holler at me. But uh, uh, the sooner we can get them through, oh my God, the urgency that they get once they realize that they are one of us. But in the culminating questions on the top of page forty-four, guys, are the two questions. And and once they, once they get to that spot, and they go, oh my God, I, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> it's like, you know, I could have had a V8. You know, it's like then they just you you can't stop them. You know, let's do a third step now. You know, they're they're ready to get through this work. And uh, the sooner we can get them out there helping other alcoholics, man, the better they can be. Yeah, I want my, my little guys out there. If they're 60 days sober and they haven't got somebody out there to do the work with, we're going to have a conversation. What are you doing, you slacker? So, 
Somebody, somebody said, I heard somebody at a conference the other day say, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, he said, no dogs allowed, only service animals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Baba. Thank you, Chris. And Philip, do you mind, brother, throughout the, the remainder of the meeting, just uh, periodically put Chris's email to everybody, Philip, brother? People are asking and missing it. Thank you so much. Uh, grateful Bob, could you come on up, please, brother? Yeah. Hi, Chris. Uh, thank you so much for your talk. And uh, that that just I love the energy and I love the pace because I could ha I could hang on and <laughs> keep up with you. Uh, I'm interested in the uh, well, the self pity part of it uh, as related to the relapsers. You've got a fresh look at how to uh, approach relapsers, and I, I'm really interested in that because I think there's a I think there's a point of judgment, especially for uh, someone who relapses regularly. A point of judgment that comes up, and uh, and I, I don't want to admit to being part of that, but I have to admit it to get the question out. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm okay. Like 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 I didn't relapse, and and I haven't relapsed, so I'm all right. And and you keep relapsing. So and this is a silent part in the back of my mind, going spinning around, going, what can you do right? Like what can you get? What are you missing? Like what, what's what's going wrong here? So there's a clear demarcation. Uh, you're wrong and I'm right. And that is absolutely, uh, that works against the relationship. It's the wrong vibration. It's the wrong thinking. It's everything. And you and you kick the doors out on this one. Like you, you take a different view with a relapser. They're just, and, and I, I really, I'm not even sure what my question is, but I, I, I wrote down, and I don't know if you said this or if I put it in my notes myself, but I said we're punitive, and and I think that's the attitude. And uh, now, if it doesn't come through, here's what scares me: if it doesn't come through in my words, it can it can come through in my attitude, my look, my vibration. It can come through a whole lot of ways, body language, right? So. I want to I want to clean up that separation and and be identify with, right? Like like when and and I you know I don't know I just need a little help to get closer to the relapser. Thank you. Bless you. It, what a great question. Real quick, and I won't beat it to death, but real, real there's there's a there are folks out there that i come across that are just absolutely not going to do any of this stuff they're too in, in in ingrained in wanting to blame something out there why they can't get sober it's the cool news about sobriety nothing outside has to change for me to get sober if i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing i'm going to have the spiritual experience it's all about love and tolerance and sometimes love is just with a smile on my i made every mistake you can make i've fired people you know if you're not going to do this you're it's absolutely wrong I go to some people that just flat won't do the work and sometimes, you know, perhaps, you know, is there somebody else that you would rather work with than me? I'd be more than glad to help you out if, 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 if you need that. But, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is uh, there's a lot of people out there that just want to let them spin their wheels. And I don't do that. You know, I just we're going to stay in action. It's, it's going to be quite labor intensive here early on. Uh, let's get through these, get you through this four step and get you making these amends and get you a little service stuff going. And, and you can get well. And guys, I've watched some really, really, really tough ones that have been to treatment a million times that all of a sudden got sober and stayed sober because they started helping others. 
we're killing people out there, guys, because we want to we want to slow everybody down. This is not a race. Yes, it is. It absolutely is a race. You know, to to get well, uh, I can tell by the tone of your voice, you're as good as they come, brother. And I appreciate you staying in the fellowship and helping us. It's uh, it can be real frustrating, understanding the disease, and still some people it's like you did what? You know, it's just it's so it's just I just want to you know twist his little head off, but it, it's. Just love and tolerance and just say, okay, but it's, you, we got to do what we got to do. But uh, sometimes the fault is the sponsor just by going too slow. And then, you know, if you don't have time to work with them, then you maybe you can pass on that. Let somebody else take care of it. But, you know, we can't punish them because they've relapsed. That's what we do. It's just that simple. Just keep, keep trying to love on them, buddy. But if you can keep them, action is what gets us connected spiritually. You know, so if you can just keep them moving, a lot of times it's question, okay, buddy, where's that fourth step? When I do a third step with somebody, guys, I look at my date planner, you got a week to finish that fourth step, and I'm being real magnanimous. You know, this is uh, Tuesday night, next Tuesday, we'll do your fifth step. How's that? Okay. They're not going to touch it until Monday night, and then they're going to be writing like a son of a gun to try to get it finished. But but we're going to do it, Tuesday, and if they don't have it, we'll have a talk. Buddy, what's up? You're, you're wasting your time. What, what are you doing? But I'm saying it with a smile. Because I love you. So it's amazing this, the miracles that I've seen when they actually get into motion. So I hope that answered it, Bob. Thank you, grateful Bob. Good to see you, brother. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Raquel, come on up, please. Yeah, hi, everybody. My name is Raquel and I am an alcoholic. I have a comment and I have a question. My comment is, and I will never, never, never stop thinking, Chris, I don't even know you. You don't even know me. When I got sober and my sponsor there to tell me to pay attention to untreated alcoholism because I was under a bunch of psychiatric medications. She was the only one that was extremely unpopular and told me, talk to your doctor. I was terrified. I was afraid. I did it. And when I heard you on YouTube saying the same thing, I tell you, I felt it changed me. You don't know me, but it changed me. And thank you for being unapologetic about that because you saved me too. So uh, my question is about, um, you know, meditation, the meditation. Um, it may be very obvious what I'm about to ask you, but I really want to ask you as, as, as I meditate and I learn a lot of things and a lot of techniques, I find myself today kind of mixing a bunch of techniques together that is like working for me now. Like that two-way prayer, sometimes I feel like taking the notebook and sometimes I do that contemplation and the then sometimes I used to use the one word, like it was like Thomas Kieran, and I just go all over the place. Is that something that you do as well? And also to bring it into today, to find out today, what is it what God wants from me? Okay, thank you, God. I'm sober. I'm okay. I'm happy. But there, there are turning, turning points in life that I never thought that I can also bring it into meditation. So that was the question was about the mixing and matching. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, we all do we whatever works. And I try, I'll go to a workshop and somebody will talk about doing this and that. And I, and I go, I'm going to try that. And, and we just, over the years, we, we, we see what works. Uh, you know, so long, well, everybody wanted to put emphasis on the length of time. You, you know, I've had guys that call me, you know, I meditate an hour every morning. I'm like, guys, I can't do it. You know, I just, I, I got, I got to go to work. I got, I got stuff to do. But, you know, I find a balance in there. What seems to work? Uh, they're just, it's just constantly, you know, I'll think of something, write it down, go to work. We, it'll just follow that little thread and see where, see where it takes me. And, um, 
I just, I, we're guided individuals, folks. I just, we just are. The problem is we just don't listen too well. So, yeah, yeah, keep working with it. Those, Thank you. Again, I'll send you those Paul Mark articles, guys. If y'all want them, it's it's a, it's a, he talks a lot about meditation. Thank you, Ricard. Ira Smith, come on up. Uh, hey, thank you, Chris. Um, yeah, I kind of had my hand up and then you guys, y'all over answered every question I had and I feel so selfish. So I might have to go write, uh, might have to write inventory after this, but it's all full circle to me. Like everything that I think you guys bring up. So I love the meeting. Thank you guys for just being here and having this platform for me to check in thank you thank you buddy thank you Ira. good to have you here jackie k come on up please well hi everybody my name's jackie i'm an alcoholic from iowa um thank you very very much uh chris for tonight um i have to share this with you years and years ago i don't know maybe nine years ago I don't know if it was you that spoke or your brother Meyer in Cedar Rapids with Peter M and Mike Maynard, Mike M. And you guys changed my life. You changed my whole program. You say things I did not know was in the big book. I mean, I had no clue. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so since that time, what has happened for me is I keep looking for these big book studies and big book studies and and i've done several and i just love the message that i hear come from from you and from many many others in this lineage of sponsor in this lineage of people that i know and i'm telling you it changed i said that <laughs> i'm nervous um but the thing that i heard about today is so many things that i heard was like the meditation and the prayer to God, the praying to God and the praying to God and the praying to God. And that is so watered down in our group. I live in a small town and we have a beautiful group, beautiful. And uh, about every time I bring up God, somebody says, well, if I had heard that at the beginning, I would have walked out the door. <laughs> I think, well, <laughs> I've heard you guys say, well, alcohol will bring you back. And I always Mm. I don't know how to delicately, why do I have to be delicate? <laughs> it is my solution. And um, they don't kick me out. Uh, well, they can't. But, and the prayer, the prayer since COVID and has just blown up for me. It's like, oh my gosh. The, I have heard things through COVID through so many of these different meetings. I did not know we're in that big book. I mean, it's like, and I'm just going Jack, through I'm going to ask you to wrap it up. Please ask a question. Oh, uh, that's all. I'll send you my email. I have a couple other little questions. Thank you, Ollie. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Jackie. Appreciate you. Mr. Howard, E and Kathy, come on up, please. And or both. Yep. My name is Howard Eber, and I am an alcoholic. Chris, uh, Chris, how are you? I love you. You know that. Um, I just wanted to let you know something. When we talked a few weeks ago, you know, I'd be the last guy in the world who would suggest that 
You can't be going through the book word for word, line by line, because that's what I've been doing for 15 years. And the last time we talked, you taught me about giving that an opportunity. And, you know, God puts things in your place. God makes things possible. And within days, I ran into a guy who had just come back, uh, maybe a day sober after having considerable time. And he just felt like he was going right back out again. And all I could see is that window closing by the minute that you and I talked about. And I went through it with him. And within three hours, he was on his fourth step. And by the end of the week, he was ready to work with others. Now, he's he went on to, to use somebody else as a sponsor. But the point is that within, I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could get through to the point of doing a fourth step in two hours. I didn't, and the reason why I'm saying this here is, is if anyone here is committed as I am to the length, the long process of word for word, line by line, that you taught me and so many other people taught me that I'm now teaching other people, I had to open my mind to the possibility that maybe there's another way to do this and it works. Yeah. It works. I want you to know that I have that that script. I followed it. I went through it exactly the way you had laid it out, and it worked. And it, after I hung up the phone with him the first time, I was like, I couldn't believe that. It worked. <laughs> so I'm just saying thank you on behalf of him and all the other people that I may work with that way. It works. And if anyone here doubts it, try it. Be open to the possibility that it works. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I love you, Chris. Yeah. That big book study that Howard does, though, guys, if y'all get a chance to ever get on, I mean, there's there's just something about it, especially if you've been around a while, guys, to go deeper and, and to look at that work a little. It's just the difference is one's triage. When somebody comes in bleeding out of both ears, you know, we got to stop the bleeding first. And then and then we can then we can start working on some of this other stuff. But uh god dang guys, the whole purpose of this is to grow spiritually. And that's those you know, long, longer, more intricate big book studies, guys, are is been a godsend for us, you know, especially since Zoom. So thank you, Howard. Thank you. Thank you, Howard. Kathy, did you want to say something quickly? We have that. I just wanted to thank Chris and say great job once again. And thanks, Ali, and everyone on the call. That's all I have. Thanks. Thank you very much. Patrick, Patrick, come on up, please. If you can turn your video on, that would be fantastic, please. Hello. If you can turn your video on, that would be great, brother. All right. I think it's on. I don't know. Okay. If you're really still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I, I had it on there because I was doing stuff. If uh, it's too much trouble, don't worry about it. It's all good, man. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I, you know what? I was doing all kinds of stuff. Now, I, you know what? I like to, to, I really like what Chris uh, had to say. It was a great meeting. And um, yeah, just interested to hear and see the, um, you know, the the process he's talking about, you know, the quicker way, you know, like now these days with the technology and the phones, I kind of feel like if the newcomer is desperate enough, we can find at least for four to five days straight, we could get you to a four step and we could get the four step written and maybe even hear the fifth step on the fifth day. I don't know if that's too, too long. I mean, but I think anybody in this room could grab a newcomer and read with them on the phone, big book, 
just like we're doing now, Zoom, you know, FaceTime, whatever you got to do and find a way to get the newcomers to just read with you. And uh, see, I was under the impression that just reading from doctor's opinion all the way up to the fourth step was, you know, I, I felt that you're not missing anything. And there was so much on step one, you know, see, he talked about 60, 60 pages on step one. I feel like why, why not? you know, just keep reading all the way through so you don't miss anything. But then when I do read it, I can see how it does stretch on a little bit. And there is some things that you could bounce back. So yeah, I'm interested in seeing what this format is. You know, I, I, I never was a big believer of people jumping around in the big book and trying to highlight stuff and trying to find it and seeing point stuff out. But, you know, I, I'm definitely open to seeing what the, uh, you know, that the fast track is. That's all, Mike. So yeah, I, I don't really have a question. Um, I just do you think do you think there is a wrong way from reading the doctor's opinion all the way, you know, all the way through? I mean, there is a quick way you could do it. You don't have to meet every day face to face at a diner. I mean, look, there's there's hundreds of uh, Zoom meetings going on every single day, and as many of the Zoom meetings are going on every single day, you can get on a phone with a new guy and read with them. Anybody you, can Patrick. take twenty minutes. 25 minutes a day. That's all I got. Thanks. Thank real you, quick, brother. real quick, Patrick. I'm just saying there's not one place in here that it says to read them with the with the newcomer. It doesn't say that. If y'all are doing it, it's just like, buddy, if you got time to do it, it's just great. I just says hand them a book and ask them to read it. That's what it says. And and then, you know, and then we're gonna talk about it. I'm gonna help them. You get that little outline and you can see you just you're going to the little high spots and, and uh, uh, getting them uh, some clarity around the first step quick is where it is. The rest of the stuff, like I said, uh, there's plenty of little guides out there that will take you through a little bit faster. So sooner we're trying to get them to working with others ASAP, but uh, you're dead on, bud. Thanks. Beautiful. Thank you. And if you just send Chris an email, uh, he will send you that guide and you can try it if you like. Thank you again, Patrick. Uh, Chris, would you come on up, please? Hello, everybody. Chris, Recovered Alcoholic from Lethbridge, Alberta. Uh, it's an absolute honor to listen to Chris speak. Um, one of your sponsees is my sponsor from out here in Alberta. And uh, today's an exciting day for me. My wife is in labor right now. So we came back from the hospital and uh, I said to my wife, they sent us home for a couple hours and said, uh, <clears throat> you can come back later. So I said, I'm going to get home and listen to Chris because I, like a few people, uh, can mirror the, what was said today. Uh, my meditation was walking around my farm with uh, my headphones on, listening to Chris speak because I spent 10 years in, in and out of meetings and, and really, really getting trapped in what, uh, what I come to find out wasn't, wasn't the... Uh, the AA that that I needed. And uh, so I just want to thank you for that. It's it's an absolute honor. And I do have a question because I often listen to uh, one of your tapes about staying excited. Um, now, very much so I'm excited about recovery. I'm excited about, um, <clears throat> about helping others. One of my things is in the city in particular that I live in, there's a lot of sick meetings and, and a lot of open discussion meetings. And I know that I got to go in and the, the eye rollers and the, you leave the meeting and you kind of want to bang your head on the table once in a while. Um, my question would be when you were going through this and like when you started to understand the meetings and where the malady was and how do you stay excited to go to meetings and how many meetings per week would you recommend to go to? Good question. 
but we had to start our own meeting eventually. You can't you can't go and talk about the book and and be you know attacked every day. You know, just go to a meeting, introduce yourself as a recovered alcoholic for God's sakes, and everybody wants to take a shot at you. It's like, buddy, the book says we can recover. I'm always going to introduce myself that way. Little hope. I'm just saying we had to start our own little meeting. If you ever want to see uh, copies of our little format, just mention it and I'll send them to you. And it just and and it started out small. There was four or five, you know, and on Wednesday night we'll have 120. It's just you know, primary purpose groups out there. They're studying the literature. You know, they had to start their own group because people, you know, we're not taking shots at those guys. Listen, those meetings are, buddy, if it's working for them, those five little old guys sitting around talking about fishing for an hour, buddy, they're staying sober. Rock on. It's okay. And I can't wait till we start talking about your dead cat again. Oh my gosh, how cool is I'm not knocking it, guys. If it's working for them, that's great. But guys, we, we don't get frustrated and leave because we need you in Alcoholics Anonymous. So bless you, brother. Give them hell, Chris. Don't freeze up there. Martin. Thank you, Chris. Martin, uh, you're up. Just, just to let everyone know, we end uh, at uh, 9.25, about 10 minutes. So I'm going to get to all the hands. Please forgive me if that happens. But after the meeting, well, maybe Chris will stick around a little bit to answer some of your questions if he has time. Martin, come on up, please. Hey, everyone. Martin Freifold, Recovered Alcoholic. Uh, glad to be sober. Glad to be here tonight. Chris, I just had a practical question. Uh, and because I'm, I'm just like so wrapped up in the technical stuff. Uh, that, that, that pen and paper while you're meditating, what, what, what do you do? Do you, when you're meditating and the thought comes and you want to write something down, do you just stop the meditation, write it, continue with the day and meditate another time of the day? I, I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah. You were kind of breaking up a little bit, but I think I understand. It's, it's some things when I, when I hear it, um, it doesn't take 10 seconds to just in my scratchy little just write down. I don't have to write a novel. We're not journaling while we're supposed to be meditating. It's just like a word. You know, I wrote that guy's name down that I was going to call and then I take it to work with me. And when I slow down, I can, you know, I can start pursuing some of that. But my it's my quiet time. Sometimes I'll go out in the backyard with nature, listen to little birds out there. And, you know, we finally got some rain here in Texas. So I sit out there and watch those plants grow all over. It's just God, it's just quiet time with God. It's my time. And I don't want to, you know, no phones, no, none of that. Just no, but I got to stay. I got to stay. If I, if it crosses my mind, I got to make sure that I don't forget it as an old geezer. Some of you little young guys, maybe you don't need to do that. So I do. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, it says, I don't know how to pronounce this. Carol, Carol, Carol. Can you pronounce that for me, please? My apologies. Actually, it's uh, it's not Carol. It's Bob, Carol's husband. <laughs> okay, it's all right. I thought it was a cool way to to spell Carol. It's Carol. Okay, yeah. Carol. Carol. Yeah. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Bob. Honor, Chris. Thank you so much for your share. A lot of wisdom, and um, you know that one of the things that uh, you mentioned that like I've always kind of wondered about, and it sounds like um. You know, somebody who understands the book the way that you do could probably straighten me out on it. You know, the um, the spiritual malady, you know, in the big book, I read it and it says, 
you know, once this is overcome, I straighten up mentally and physically. I'm like, well, I've got a mental, I've got, I've got a mental problem. I have got um, an obsession with alcohol and that, and once I use alcohol, that triggers the phenomenon of craving. So once I overcome the malady, those things straighten out. I was like, man, sign me up for that, you know? And, um, and I looked through the big book and, um, and it certainly gives me a lot of examples or symptoms of the malady, the, um, you know, inability to, um, have relationship problems in relationships, the self-pity, the, um, self-centeredness, the, um, you know, running through people's lives like a tornado, the actor in the play. It gives me all kinds of mm -hmm. the manifestations of it, but it doesn't really tell me, you know, what that spiritual malady is. I know that, you know, selfish self-centeredness, that's the root, you know. And I know that that's driven by a hundred forms of fear, you know, self-delusion, self-pity. But where is the, um, so what is the spiritual malady, I guess? Um, and I've probably read it a million times and it just never sank in. But, um, you know, I like to label things. And, you know, if you could go into that, that would be wonderful. It, but you could spend a lifetime looking at it. I'm sure there's a, a better answer than the one I'm fixing to give you. But all the things that you said, that's the spiritual malady. And it was, I was so shocked that when I stopped drinking, that I didn't all of a sudden get happy. You know, I got, I got worse. And uh, there's a lot of people that won't even talk about the third legacy, the, the little piece there about the spiritual malady. They're not even going to talk about it. And it's like there's a great book written by a guy in New Zealand called uh, Alcoholics Ambiguous. Really good book. And he talks, he makes this really clear point that not everybody, everybody on earth has spiritual malady at certain times in their life. My mama, she was not an alcoholic, but she dealt with some depression. She had some stuff going on with her. And so the thing that separates us is the physical craving and the mental obsession. But Bill Wilson says on page 64, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out physically and mentally, just like you said. It's like, guys, I, it's not okay that I'm just not drinking one stupid day at a time. I need, I need to be comfortable in my skin. And, and as a result of working the steps, not as a result of going to a million meetings, just actually doing the work, this stuff changes. Where, how could somebody that took antidepressants all of these years end up in a spot and I'm not a doctor I'm not against antidepressants but how could I get to that spot where I didn't have to take those medications no anti-anxiety medications whatever all of that stuff lifted as a result of getting off my butt and uh, making amends and uh, you know take, doing some things that I didn't want to do and uh, yeah it's it, it really manifests itself in some people folks it just really it just you just big time and some it's just rather subtle there's not a lot of it but uh, but as the illness continues to progress, I just got to say it, guys. I quit drinking 35 years ago. My illness didn't stop progressing. This is not in the big book, guys. But Bill Wilson talks about a progressive illness on 30, 35. I forget what it is. But it, it'll continue to. Uh, so a lot of people, as this thing continues to progress, that, you know, later in, in their life, they start experiencing this spiritual malady stuff. That's why it's so important to work and. I'm sure Howard and those guys are still 
to work and continue to work the steps. You know, I, I can't live off a spiritual experience I had 35 years ago. I need to get some current juice. I need to get, you know, I need to continue to do this work so I can have a new relationship. That's what this whole thing is about. So I hope that got you. Thank you, Bob. Donna, nice to see you. Come on up. Hi. Hi, Chris. Okay. Um, yeah, my question is, um, you know, like I met you when I was eight months sober. I got the thank you when you spoke in Toronto. And, you know, it's been 18 years now, right? Almost 19 years. And <clears throat> just wanted to know if you experienced these things and what you think about it, right? Like, you know, when I was seven years after this, when I was going into my eighth year, I suddenly felt completely fucking lost, right? Like, I just felt like a newcomer, you know what I mean? Like, what the hell? Like, like it was like, I knew I learned stuff in those seven years, but there was like this whole layer that came on, like in the next, and it did, right? And it did. And, um, and it's happening again, right? <laughs> like, ah, it's happening again. Thank God I have sponsees like Ali who are like 12 years sober or something, right? And uh, this, you know, a couple of mornings ago, I was saying to him, just treat me like a newcomer, right? Because I'm totally blank right now. I feel like I'm facing a mountain. I can't even see like anything, right? And, um, you know, and he's so cool because he's talking to me the way I talk to my sponsees, right? But I don't believe that. I believe that once we step from bridge to shore, we're in the same place. We just have more experience living over there, right? And um, yeah, so that was my question. Like, have you ever felt like brand new and like, is this like layers of heaven or something? You know what I mean? Like first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. Do you get what I'm saying? Am I making any sense at all? No, but, but no, for me, it's like I'm in heaven and then I'm in hell and then I'm in heaven, heaven, heaven. And then I'm in hell again. But guys, that's life. You know, we're going to go through tough times and we get blocked. I can always connect it to what I'm not doing in the program, though. I'm too busy. I'm traveling too much. I can't go to meetings. I can't sponsor anymore. You know, just and pretty soon I've just I've moved away. You know, that's why Bill Wilson, the word seekers is so important, folks. Bill Wilson was a seat. He always looking for something some, to take another step. You know, it's like I go back to what I just said. You can't live off the spiritual experience you had, you know, ages ago. And that's what so many people do. You know, they're sober, but they're miserable. Well, that's not OK. It's normal. You're not going crazy, but, you know, we're going to have good days and bad days. And I, I just the only thing I know that will get me out of that is to go find a little newcomer. Go, go find a little knucklehead that needs to visit. Yeah. Donna, do you have more to say? We can't hear you. Oh, sorry. I was just like something that came up that I completely forgot about. It's something I did when I was 24 years old, for God's sakes, right? It was a lie I told when I was 24, and it's come back to bite my ass, right? And so now I have hmm. to, like, face it, right? And, you know, it's scary. Like, it's really scary, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to walk away from God. You know what I mean? I'm going to face it, right? And, you know, and I believe there's more on the other side. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. That was just my question. Like, if you were just, like, ever felt, like, brand new again, right? 
like I can't deny what's just happened. You know what I mean? I've had these 18 years, right? But every once in a while, God brings me to this place where I like something like this will come up where I totally forgot something. You know, it's not like I was being dishonest on my step four because I never even would have thought of this. Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden, whoa, it's here. <laughs> That's whoa it. will be revealed. <laughs> we continue to grow. Bless your heart. Good to see you, Donna.